The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call. Did you know that there are more than 16 million first-generation American-born Latinos? We'll find out how Project Enya is helping them find a voice and a connection. Then Chef Troy is here and he has some amazing summer barbecue tips. And we'll see if he can convince me to eat my vegetables. Plus, it's a big casting announcement from the new digital series Club 5150. Steve Silverman is here to tell us who it is. That's coming up today on Crawl Call. It is Friday. It's May 29th. It's the last show of May 2015. Welcome to Kroll Call, everybody. I'm Dan Kroll. I am the host of this here show. And, you know, one of the things that I've come to love about this show is the ability for us to talk about anything and everything. Now, I do say us because everyone out there listening, whether it's live every Friday or on demand in the archives at KrollCall.com, you're just as much a part of this show as I am. If I'm the crawl, well, I guess you're the call in the title of the show. I love getting your feedback. I love reading your thoughts on our Twitter feed at Crawl Call Show. So please keep it coming. Keep spreading the word about the show. And of course, if you are someone or if you know someone who you think would be a great guest here on Crawl Call, please let me know. Let us know. Go to the website. Tweet me. Let me know. And we would love to have you here now. Speaking of great guests, coming up a little later in this hour, we're going to fire up the grill for some amazing barbecue tips and recipes from Chef Troy Gagliardo. He's got all the things that you need to do to make sure that your summer barbecue is a success. I know if you care about food as much as I do, that is going to be something that you're going to want to listen to really closely. And we've got a big casting announcement from the Digital Series Club 5150. No, in case you're wondering, I have no idea who it is. So I don't like surprises and we're getting a surprise announcement. This should be pretty interesting. We'll also talk about Winterthorn as well. And a preview too coming up near the end of the show. It's something that's really exciting. It's something really fun. It's something that we're going to be doing here on Crawl Call starting next month. It's a chance for you to spread a little happiness and let someone know that you care. We'll talk about that coming up later, but we're going to start off today's show with a question. Who are you? On the surface, it seems like an easy question, but if you give it some thought, it's really not as simple as it sounds. We're often defined by our jobs, our gender, our skin color, who we love, our name, our parents, but for more than 16 million first-generation Americans with a parent or parents from Spanish-speaking countries, there can often be a lot of questions about a sense of identity. My first guests this week are the co-creators of Project Enya. They're here to tell us what it's all about. First up is Henry Ansbacher. He's the founder of Just Media, a four-time Emmy winner and Academy Award nominee for producing films and TV series that raise awareness and also motivate change. Henry, welcome to Crawl Call. Thank you. Thank you very much. He is joined 
by Denise Soler Cox. She's an entrepreneur, an expert in marketing, and a speaker on the subject of identity. Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you. Denise, I'm going to start with you. It's the question that I posed at the top of the introduction. Again, uh, it sounds like an easy question, but I'm finding out that it really isn't. So I'll pose it to you. Who are you? I, <laughs> that's such an awesome question. And when I, when I heard you intro this with that question, I was like, wow, that's really great. And I think it would take out, I think I'd love to be with you in person and have a cup of coffee. And we could both talk about this together for a long time because it's not just one thing. Um, you know, I could describe myself in many different ways, but as it pertains to the project that Henry and I are working on together, I'm an Enya, which means that I am the daughter of, uh, of, a, of an immigrant from a Spanish-speaking country, and I have my own unique experience being a Latina and also being an American living in the United States today. Now... I did something that, I mean, I said sort of in the introduction, I didn't say that it's not uh, necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but Henry, in introducing you, I did one of the very things that I said maybe we shouldn't do. I defined you by your job and your accomplishments. So I'm going to ask you the same question to let folks know a little bit about you. Who are you? Well, terrific. Um, So I'm a dad. That's a big part of who I am. And uh, But I also take my work very seriously, and I've been making... Um, films and documentaries uh, since about 2000, and so now, geez, that's been 15 years, Um, and I take, I mean, it's great work. I really enjoy it. With each new project, uh, I'm meeting a whole new group of people and new kind of communities, and I think what kind of attracted me to to this project is um, just how exciting and vibrant this this community of Enya's is, and then also that it's it's not just a story about these 16 million Americans and how and their their journey. It's really it's an American story um, because this is a country that has had waves of immigrants throughout our history, and after each immigrants, they're the 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 next generation have to figure out who they are and how they fit in. In America, and today, the it's it's really about just Latino generation Enya and how they where how they define themselves and how the world sees them, and it's a very rich story that has is it's very American as well. And I'm just gonna chime in um, that who else Henry is is a son, and because he's a son. Um, is really what connected him to the project. Why don't you? Well, that's share a little that. set up there. So I got yeah. So my um, so I'm a son. Uh, so my my dad was a German Enya, you could say. Uh, my dad's father immigrated from Germany in the in the 30s, and my dad grew up in in Vermont uh, with a dad who had a very thick German accent and was very different from all the other dads on his block. And I never really gave that much thought until I met Denise and started working on this project and realized that there might have been a little bit of shame about that for my dad, trying to explain, you know, to his friends why his dad sounded different than everyone else's. It's interesting, Denise, because when I was doing some prep for the show, I realized that, as is often the case in a lot of matters, if someone doesn't experience a problem or a situation firsthand, Mm -hmm. they may not be aware that there's a particular problem or a situation that exists. Now, you have had a personal struggle. 
with having a Puerto Rican and an American side to your identity. For a lot of people, I would think going into you think, oh, wait, hey, that's kind of cool that you have two sides to celebrate. But I'm finding out and from listening to your story that sometimes that isn't necessarily the case. And it was something that I didn't think about. And I want you to uh, tell everybody who's listening a little bit more about that because I think it's important to understand. Sure. Um, so um, certainly and absolutely being um, an Enya has its privileges. I mean, being able to code switch language-wise and culturally and uh, in, in the culinary field, there's so many advantages to having two strong influences in my life. And, um, and then there's what Henry said and what he brought up is that a lot of oftentimes the focus of the immigrant story, or maybe he didn't say it quite like this, but, um, the, you know, there's often a, a focus of the immigrant story and there's not always um, a focus on the, on the story and the plight, let's say, of their American-born children. And the part that feels like struggle or the part that felt like um, confusing to me um, and that at times um, was just uh, downright difficult was the having to um, sort out these two sides of myself and the responsibility that I felt to hold on to language, the shame I felt because I didn't have quite a hold on language in the way that I quote-unquote should have, um, the choices and decisions that um, Enya's are kind of subject to make are challenging, and um, it's a lot of responsibility. And I always say it's not tragic, but it's certainly something that exists. And when it's uncovered and when I have these conversations with the, with the people that I interview, I always hear the same thing, and it's uh, some variation of, I've not thought about this since it happened, and I really appreciate um, that you're bringing this up, and it feels really good to acknowledge that that is what happened, and that is a, an experience, and it's important that someone's making that someone's making it matter. And Henry and I are working together to shine a light on this experience and um, kind of expose what it's like because it matters. Henry, how did you two cross paths? Where did, where did you sort of meet up to become involved in this project? Well, I'll tell you. Um, it was Denise took the initiative, uh, and she, through a friend of a friend, actually my neighbor, um, you know, Denise talks to everyone and anyone she can about this idea, and she was talking to my neighbor about Enya's and that she wanted to make a movie about it, and... Claire Looney, let me send out a little shout out to Claire, <laughs> said, well, you have to, you have to talk to my neighbor, Henry. He's, he makes documentaries. And so um, it took Denise a little while to get up the, I don't know, the courage the, to, to give me a call. Um, and then it took me a little while to find, get her in the schedule and come in to have the meeting. But once we sat down and talked and I heard what she was, um, this idea, this concept she had, I really, I, I, I got it, and I really thought there was something there. And so that was about now three years ago. We've worked on, um, she worked on another project I was finishing, uh, which was a movie about wild horses, and she ran our Kickstarter campaign there, and we started working together then. And then we just kept working on the strategy and the plan for how to launch Project Enya. And uh, in January of this year, we launched our new website, and we've been releasing um, 
one, uh, we've been releasing microdocs every week that are three to five minutes in length that focus on specific Enya stories. And then we've also been doing a podcast, and now we've launched the Enya's Count campaign. So we're just right in the thick of it right now. And Denise, from what I understand, this is something that has been sort of percolating for 17 years? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had the idea, I had a, sort of a personal aha revelation moment one night out to dinner with a bunch of friends, and it was just, um, there's only a few moments in my life that I've ever had that I ever feel like connected to something, and it's like this special moment where everything feels perfect and um, for, for a moment, life makes sense, I guess. And when I was sitting at dinner with these people, I was trying to figure out what in the world about this moment is happening because I want to make sure I can replicate it and keep feeling like this. And what I realized was, is every single person around that table having dinner was the son or daughter of an immigrant from a Spanish-speaking country. And the, 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 the content of our conversation was... Um, all about our experience being American, but then also having this whole and complete other side to ourselves. And the conversation was rich. It was funny. I, I might have cried. It was everything that I love. It was deep and substantive, and I didn't want to stop talking about it. And I had this real sense of feeling connected to this group of people, and I thought, wow, it's, it's, it cannot just be these people. It's got to be every single person, uh, American-born um, person, just like me with a parent from a Spanish-speaking country. They must all feel like this. And, and I knew how I grew up, and I knew the confusion that I had growing up, and I knew the disconnection that I had growing up, and I just wanted it for everybody. And I desperately wanted it for everybody. Um, and... And how I wanted it and how I, how I envisioned it was that it would be a documentary. And at the time, I was not a filmmaker. And, um, and so for 17 years, I sort of vacillated between really wanting to make my life be about this and make this movie, and then also the reality of having a career that was very different than filmmaking, um, having, you know, needing to pursue something that fell more in my skill sets, and little did I know that my skill set is actually very well suited to being a filmmaker, but I didn't know that, and, um, and then just downright fear that this actually was a terrible idea and that, um, and that the haters would come out and that I'd have to deal with that. And so it was much easier for me to talk about what I wanted to do for 17 years um, incessantly and to anyone that would listen than to actually do something about it. But then um, I'm a very goal-oriented person, and on January 1st I'm a very, very predictably sitting at my dining room table writing down my goals for the year and kind of envisioning how I want my year to unfold. And I always would write the same thing. And this this year, three years ago, New Year's Day, I just I was writing down that I wanted to do this project and make this movie, and um, and I just realized I'm so sick of writing this because I know I'm not going to do it, and I'm such I felt like a liar, and I felt like I didn't have any integrity, and and I felt like um, like if I if I wrote it again, that I better do it, and if I'm not going to do it, then I will never write it again. And it's such a part of my heart and my soul and what I feel like I was born to do that I literally um, did a 360 with my life and said, I'm going to write this again and I'm going to do it and uh, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to take and I have a feeling it's going to be like climbing Mount Everest and at times I feel like it has felt like that. <laughs> um, hmm. 
but I'm going to do it. And, and that's what I did. And a few days later, I called Henry. And about six weeks later, I was pitching him. And I thought he would just um, give me a phone number of someone I should call. And I would string together all these opportunities and finally make it happen several years later. Never did I think that he would partner with me um, or that I would get a chance to get my, my feet wet uh, in, in a film, in a totally separate film. Um, or have a chance to really work with him as a partner on this other project. But all of that is what happened. And, um, and so, yeah, it took 17 years basically for me to have the courage enough to begin. Um, and, and the last three years have been the most joyous, fulfilling, difficult, tears, uh, I mean, the most challenging and the most fulfilling three years of my life. And Henry, now that this campaign is moving forward, it's sort of, on the map, so to speak. Folks who are listening who can relate to this now between May 27th, so we're already in the middle of it, through June 30th, there's a campaign. There's a crowdsourcing. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? Well, it's um, really what it's about is it's really about identity and it's really about building a community. And this, right now, everyone has, you know, all these Enyes, this, six, this population of 16 million, they each have kind of their individual experience, and, but, but they haven't really considered that they're part of something, that there's this shared experience that's out there. So what we're really trying to do is by sharing stories and by kind of waking people up to this idea, our hope is that they'll, they'll feel this connection and this sense of belonging with other Enyas that, are, that have a similar story. And so what we're really trying to do, we, there is a crowdsourcing element. We are, uh, we're, there's 16 million Enyas, and we're trying to get 1%, which is 160,000, to come to our website and claim their Enya identity and to, to put in just, you know, like their first name, um, their zip code, where their parents are from, and we will put them on the map. And basically our hope is that we want to have this really dynamic um, graphic representation of all the Enyas that are standing up and claiming that they, they belong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are asking that when you put yourself on the, net, on the map that you make a, a $1.60 contribution to the campaign, which will allow us to keep telling these stories. Um, but then we also are reaching out to another population that we call Frenyas. And mm-hmm. Frenyas are the friends of Enyas. And so uh, that's, that's my status. I'm a, I'm a Frenya. And so we're, we are really our core group are the Enyas, but then we're really also looking to reach out to anyone that, you know, that this resonates with. Maybe, you know, we've had a lot of, like, we do these events, and people come up and talk to us afterwards. And it's surprising to me when, we, when people come up who are first-generation Americans of, like, Albanian descent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that, this totally resonates. I totally I, I understand what you're saying, and it's um, or people like me that come in and say, "Wow, that's probably what my what my father felt like when he when when his father, you know, was different from all the other fathers." So it's a there's this core group that we want to get engaged and put themselves on the map, share some stories, consume the media, understand kind of where they fit in in the world, and then also kind of a broader group. And this might be a way to kind of shift a little bit how they look at. Um, the whole situation and really kind of generate some real understanding. And the funny thing is, is that this whole, this whole project is sort of based on this 
personal feeling of my not fitting in. And the best part is, is people are like, well, I'm not an Enya. I want to be an Enya. And so we have honorary Enyas, and then we also have Frenyas. And so it's just really funny and ironic and awesome that they also want to support the project, too. Did you expect that, Denise, to have so no. many people who... No, not at all. No. I, like, barely expected this to work. <laughs> You know, um, I'm overwhelmed, and there was a point where I just, I, I literally had to keep reminding myself, like, no, there's all these people out there, like, this is, this is way bigger than me, and we passed that line a long time ago. There's so much, we have so much evidence, so many comments, so many pro- personal text messages, and private messages from people on Facebook that just thank us and, and share their story, and people that are understanding their parents better and their grandparents better and wanting to know how they can support this. And frankly, there's a lot of people that are not Latino. They don't, they don't, they're kind of like dancing around this PC conversation and we're offering them, we're not only giving them a name, but we're giving them a way to actually get involved um, and kind of swim in the same water as the Enya too. So it's giving relief to a lot more people than just Enyas. And that was really my thought about having you guys on today is the fact that Folks, you know, it's with anything, with any show that I do, whether it's something uh, as simple as talking barbecue or whether it's talking about a, a web series or whether it's talking about anything else that goes on, people may tend to look at a topic and think, eh, that's not for me, I can pass. But as is usually the case that I find out, almost everything that we talk about, whether it's it's on this show or elsewhere, affects a much broader group of people than we often think. So that's why I wanted to make sure that we talked about this today, Henry. Yeah, well, I, I think whoa, that's part of the power of, um, of the media, really. And by that, I mean broadly, like documentaries in general and, and other things that you can really kind of get inside um, the experience of you know, another person. And so we're all about kind of sharing these, these stories uh, that, that come from this one group, but they do really resonate in a much bigger group. And I think that when you can get that sense, that understanding of, and that empathy for another person, that's something I try to do um, that I really believe in. And that's part of the, the power of the media and part of why, you know, a documentary or a, you know, sharing intimate personal stories like this can really have a big impact. And you can make something like this and you can just share it with the world today like the way you are, you are with your radio show and the way we are with the web series of Microdocs. There, there just aren't as many barriers to entry anymore. And if you have a compelling idea and a compelling message, you can reach an audience with it. And that's very exciting. And Denise, how can the audience, how can they find out more information? Where can they go on social media? Where can they go in terms of websites to get more info? Sure. So on all of our social media platforms, we're project at Project Enya. Um, project spelled like project and then Enya, uh, E-N-Y-E. And uh, they can also go to our website, projectenya.com. And if they click on the map, they're able to watch a video from me and um, really get all the details that they need about this campaign. And they'll have a chance to get to know me in a pretty raw, honest state. I kind of let it all hang out. And there are some great videos there as well. Uh, One that I see that's highlighted was from Johnny Ortiz. I I love the title, Dreamers are the Ones Who Don't Sleep. That really got me thinking, uh, almost as much as the question that I posed in, Who Are You? Denise... 
Henry, I want to thank you both for taking some time out here. We're certainly going to make sure that we share the word as a frenya. I'm going to make sure that everybody out there knows it'll be on our Twitter feed on curlcall.com. And thank hopefully you. as we move forward, we can have you both back. That'd be great. We'd thank love you. to come back. And again, it's a 30-day campaign and we're right in the middle of it. And we'd love to come back and let you know how it's going. All right, gang, we have to take a quick break. During the commercial, you can think about the question, the who are you? But we have to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Curl Call in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Crow Call. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Crow Call. Now, my next guest is here to talk about something that I love. And judging by my Twitter and Facebook feeds, you do too. It's food. I mean, come on. What else could it possibly be here on the show? We don't get by any episode without talking about food in some sort of way. Chef Troy is here with some tips to make your summer barbecue the talk of the town, unless, you know, you don't want people showing up at your backyard barbecue unannounced. That'll be your problem to deal with. We're just here to take care of the other problems that you have. Chef Troy, welcome to Curl Call. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. So I did a little bit of research, as I usually do here. A line of spices, a cookbook author, a live cooking segment called Troy's Everyday Eats on WCCB in Charlotte, all of this, and I find out that you are a self-taught chef. How did that happen? Well, you know, it all came down to uh, my family. I was raised, uh, my grandparents loved to cook. I had the best of both worlds. I had a southern grandmother and I had a southern Italian grandmother. So it was just in our blood that we all just kind of gathered around food. You know, we grew food, we cooked food. Uh, it was just part of my upbringing. And uh, I played baseball, uh, a little college semi-pro, so I kind of skipped the whole, you know, culinary school thing and just jumped right into it. What is the first thing that you remember cooking? Was it, I'm, I'm assuming with, you know, all kids when they learn to cook, it's, it's something simple, but I'm not making any assumptions here. What's the first thing that you remember cooking? 
Well, my grandparents, my southern grandparents, they had a, they didn't have a farm, but they had a huge garden, so they grew a lot of stuff. So before we could cook, we actually had to, you know, pick and peel and, and do that whole thing. So honestly, the first thing I remember cooking are beans, and they're called Christmas beans, and my grandparents grew them every year. But we had to, you know, shuck them first, and then we had to, you know, let them dry a little bit and then cook them. So, you know, as you know, unappealing as that sounds, probably beans were the first thing that I ever cooked. Believe it or not, for the folks who listen regularly, I do enjoy beans. Yes, I know that's a vegetable, but we're not counting that. We're counting that as, as beans. for the. It's a legume. So we're going to move from that to something else that I enjoy. Uh, you know, I, I like to give shouts out wherever I can. You have a relationship with one of my favorite places to food shop. When I'm visiting the family in Greensboro, North Carolina, head up to the Fresh Market on New Garden Road. Holler. Uh, the Fresh Market. I love going there. You know, I'm a, I've been a huge fan of the Fresh Market for a long time. And, uh, you know, when I started doing my show, I've, I've had Troy's Everyday Eats on WCCB for over eight years now. And, you know, we've had a couple sponsors along the way. Uh, but the one that I've had the longest for the past three and a half years is the Fresh Market. And such a fan of the store before I even got the sponsorship. And it was just kind of a natural relationship that happened. Uh, but it's one of the coolest places to go because, you know, the fresh market, you know, everything's fresh, you know, they, you know, seasonal produce and they get stuff locally and, uh, you know, they're doing it right. You know, they got the little butcher shop and, you know, the fresh produce and the bakery. So it's a perfect place for me to shop for my show for sure. They have everything from cupcakes, which of course I love too. You can go and get the, you know, the little half chicken with some sides. Anyway, I'm hungry. This is the only reason that we're going this in depth. And of course, the fact that, you know, you're a chef and all. But I brought you here because it's almost summertime. Depending upon who you talk to, since it's after Memorial Day, it is now unofficially summer. People are going outside. They're firing up the grills. They're trying to cook things, you know, burgers, chicken, ribs. And a lot of people are not doing it properly. So I want you to give some tips so people know when they go out there to at least get closer to to doing things a little bit closer to perfection. So what would you say is the biggest mistake that the backyard barbecuer is making? Probably incorrect heat or wrong heat. Uh, You always should have a safe zone on the grill. Whether you're using a gas grill or a charcoal grill, you should always have that safe zone where you either have a very low heat or no flame, or a little bit of flame, so you can always, you know, move your protein or your vegetables from, you know, a higher heat to, uh, over to the slower side so it doesn't cook quite as fast. That's probably the number one uh, mistake because things tend to overcook when you're using direct, and everybody wants to just crank it up to high. Uh, you know, very rarely will I ever have a grill, uh, whether it's charcoal or gra- gas, at a very, very high temperature, unless you're searing a steak. I mean, I'm going to admit to it. I'm guilty of that. I, I get the grill fired up. I want the food because it's going to be tasty. I want to get it as quickly as possible. So I know that I do the same thing. I put it up there. I just want to see the little grill marks on the chicken, and that makes me happy. But so you're telling me I'm I'm wrong, and I need to <laughs> I need to reevaluate well, my grilling <laughs> techniques. <laughs> well, just just think about this. You know, chicken or something like that should be slow and soft. Something like steak or a piece of chicken with a, um, without a bone would be hard and fast. So if you think about it like that, just think of your right side of your grill, nice and hot, but not super hot, like maybe medium high, and then your left side at low or no heat, and hopefully you've got a rack of some type. So if you're cooking something, you know, get that nice sear, get that nice char over the high heat, 
you know, flip it, season it, do your whole thing, but then throw it over on the rack or on the low, slow side and let it finish cooking. So it kind of gets that radiant heat, but that flame is just not, you know, burning the outside of your protein or, or vegetables. Now there is, for folks who think it's a little easier to follow along with some direction and instruction, there is a recipe for blackberry chipotle barbecue glazed baby back ribs. That is a mouthful, but I was able to get it out. It's on Chef Troy's website at cheftroy.net. Blackberry chipotle barbecue. This sounds like three things that I probably would not have thought to put together. Well, and here's my thing is, you know, I love, just like any probably meat eater out there, I love charred meat, but I also mm. like some type of sauce to go with it. You know, a lot of people, you know, I want the dry rib with the, with the you know, just the, the rub on it or whatever, but I'm a sauce guy. And I think especially with something like pork, you know, it's nice and tender after you cook it slow. You know, there's nothing better than sweet and heat together. So you've got a little sweetness from the berries. There's a touch of honey in there. You know, and then you blast some of that chipotle in there, and it all bounces. It sounds really, really strange, especially when you brush it on. It looks strange because it's purple. If you do it with blueberries, it's going to be blue. But I'm telling you, it is a home run. So if you're having a, you know, some, some folks out at your house and you want to do ribs, that is the perfect recipe to use right there. We've posted a link to the recipe on our Twitter feed at Crow Call Show. It's also on our website at crowcall.com. How long, if, if someone is thinking of making, oh, a slab of ribs, we'll say a uh, half rack, how long are we talking? What is it typically, what would be the, the length of time it takes to properly cook? And, of course, everything out there for you guys listening is going to be a plus or minus. We're just getting some, some generals here. So, Chef Troy, how long are we, we talking? How long is this going to take me to cook? Well, in the restaurant business, you know, it always starts the day before. You know, you always want to use fresh. Try, try, you know, like to go to the fresh market. You get the fresh meat, never frozen. If you can do that, that's good. You know, put your dry rub on it a night before, wrap it in plastic wrap, throw it in the refrigerator. Um, that's probably step one. Step two would be to bring it out of the refrigerator, let it come up to room temperature for about an hour before you're actually going to cook it. Um, from there, it can go two different ways. You can wrap it in foil, throw it on a sheet tray, put it in the oven for about an hour, hour and a half at 300. Or you can take it straight out to the grill, get a nice char on it, and put it up on that slow side, you know, at 225, 250, because you're going to have more of a direct heat. So all total, it's going to take you probably about two hours on the grill. Um, the most important thing is, is after you make that sauce, let it cool off just a little bit, and you want to baste the ribs right at the end. Because if you baste them too soon, those sugars are going to, actually burn on the ribs and give it a real bitter taste. Something that you mentioned that I, I've heard in passing elsewhere, maybe it's a good time to bring this up. You mentioned to bring the ribs, at least in this case, up to room temperature for about an hour. Is that something that we should consider doing for anything that we're putting on the grill? Should we bring it to room temperature slightly? Yeah, if you're not part of the health department, man, I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. <laughs> when I go to the fresh market and I get a steak, let's say I get a, a inch and a half, two-inch porterhouse. Yeah, say I, I come home at 3 o'clock and I'm planning on dinner at 6. I never even put it in the refrigerator. And the reason for that is because if you pull, whether it's chicken, steak, fish, or whatever, if you pull it directly from the refrigerator and put it right on the grill, everything is so cold, so you're getting that, that intense heat on the outside, and it takes a while for the heat to transfer to the inside to get it uh, to the temperature that you want. Sometimes that's why it's tricky to get a, a steak to the right temperature when it's, you know, solid cold. So if you bring it out to room temperature, you're starting at the same even heat all the way through with no intense cold in the middle. So it cooks quicker, cooks faster, uh -huh. and a lot more even. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, now that we've found out all the things that 
or mistakes in our cooking, one of the things that at-home cooks can do that is not a mistake that will definitely set them on the right path is to get some of the Chef Troy special secret spices. <laughs> what are they? Where can we find them? And there's something called back rub, which, you know, people can do what they want with it, but it, it's meant for ribs, I'm guessing. <laughs> right. Well, and I designed uh, the back rub for pork. It's a coffee ancho cocoa rub. And it's, you know, I designed it for pork, but, you know, I do a lot of these tastings out the fresh markets all over this area. And, man, we tried it on carrots and cauliflower and salmon and shrimp and bacon and all kinds of stuff. It's just got a really neutral, earthy flavor that you're not going to get in, in most rubs. Most rubs are really sweet, uh, and I kind of tend to shy away from that. Uh, the spice mix, uh, which sounds like a generic name, and it is, uh, but I call it the home-cooked secret weapon. It's got salt, pepper, oregano, garlic, and um, black pepper. And it's good on everything. And I think uh, Frank stole my line, you know, that stuff is good on everything. It, it literally is. And you can pick that up at the Fresh Market as well, or you can go to my website, ChefRoy.net, and, and pick it up there. And in talking about this, yes, guys, we did say that we're going to be talking about barbecuing, but there are other things. You can't have someone on whose cookbook is called Pseudo Southern, and the subtitle is A Playful Twist on the Art of Southern Cooking, without finding out what is Pseudo Southern. I'm guessing it has something to do with the fact that you said Southern Italian grandmother, Southern grandmother. Am I on the right track? Well, yeah, it kind of started there. You know, I don't. I, I didn't feel like I could call it a Southern cookbook. I'm, I'm originally from Michigan. I've lived in North Carolina for the past, you know, 30 years, more 30 plus years. So I feel like a Southerner, but I'm not. You know, it's kind of like getting in the mafia. You know, if you don't have that whole bloodline, you know, you can't become made. You can't become a made guy, so to speak. So you know, pseudo. You know, it's just it's, it's appears as what it should be, but it's not exactly. Right, and I'm and don't look that up in Webster's because I'm sure that's not the correct definition. So that's what I do is take you know some Southern classics like uh, let's just say like a, a hush puppy, and we kind of twist it up, and I, I did a little red, redneck remoulade with it, put some whiskey, onions, and crab in it, just kind of beef it up. So you know, or we've taken like an Italian dessert like tiramisu and made it, and used bourbon molasses with it to kind of Southernize it a little bit. If, gosh, if they aren't hungry out there listening to this, as I said to you before the, during the commercial, I was hungry before we even started talking. If the folks out there aren't hungry by now, well, there's really something going on and something wrong with them. Gotta say, just my opinion. Maybe they've already eaten if that's the case. Well, I, I don't know, but I know a great way, well, at least for me, to get me not thinking about food for at least a couple of minutes, and that's to talk about vegetables. Now, <laughs> you said on the Twitter machine, let me get an exact quote here because I don't want to uh, misquote you. It says, I've been known to break a grown man down with grilled veggies. All right, Chef Troy, let me hear it. Give, argue your, your case for me trying some grilled vegetables. Well, the same thing that appeals to you about, you know, a nice grilled steak or a nice hamburger can appeal to vegetables as well. If you go um, to my Facebook, it's just Troy Galliardo. Uh, there's a, my, my page on there, the, the uh, top picture, I forget what it's called right now, but it's a, basically a vegetable salad, and it's got grilled carrots, grilled spring onions, but they've got a nice char on them with a nice dressing. You know, of course, you got to throw some bacon in there. But of course. But just straight-up grilled vegetables. Uh, if you're using a good spice mix and you're using a you know a decent heat, you know maybe a little smoke. And that was the other thing I was going to add about you know cooking at home on the grill. Maybe you do have a gas grill. Make yourself a smoke bomb with some soaked wood chips and let it burn and incorporate some of that smoke. 
But with vegetables on the grill or, or anything in general, for me, it's about getting a little bit of a char on it and bringing out the natural flavors in it and adding components like uh, lemon juice or Parmesan or just a touch of salt or pepper, olive oil, to bring out its natural flavors. And I know it probably doesn't sound appealing to you, but grilled carrots with the back rub on it is one of the best things you will ever put in your mouth. Surprisingly, I do love carrots as well, but you know, the only thing that I really got, <laughs> of course, it's a joke. The only thing I've gotten out of that discussion is that apparently bacon is a vegetable. That's what I got out of that discussion. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, bacon goes with everything. And if you're, you're afraid of eating vegetables, throw some bacon in it and it's good. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's about texture too. You know, I'm not a big fan of real mushy vegetables and I'm not a big fan of really hard vegetables. So cooking properly, uh, especially, you know, it's, it's always good when you're grilling something to, to do a quick blanch. Say you're doing broccoli on the grill. You know, you want to get a boiling water, big pinch of salt, throw the broccoli in there, three or four minutes and throw it directly into an ice bath, and that's going to stop the cooking but set the color. But it's partially cooked, so you don't have to keep it on the grill too long to get it too burnt or too mushy, uh, and it's going to be perfect, but it's going to have all that flavor. Hmm. Okay, so I will think of carrots as my gateway vegetable, possibly <laughs> leading me into liking some other sort of vegetable. I mean, you know, I'll do what I can, and I'm going to look for, I'm going to go on and look for some recipes and see what else is on your website to maybe, you know, uh, try some vegetables. I will tell you, Melissa Gilbert of Little House on the Prairie fr- uh, fame has threatened to pummel me if I don't try her Brussels sprouts. Haven't tried it yet, so, you know, there's, there's some competition here, Chef Troy. I'll tell you, well, grilled Brussels sprouts with a little bacon are awesome. You don't need to bacon. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she says, too. Uh, We've mentioned some of the places people can find you, but before we have to let you go, let everybody out there know where can they see you, where can they find you, where are you on the Internet, all the good stuff. Hey, I'm I'm all over the Internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, You can live stream my show every Tuesday morning, 7 to 9 on WCCB.com. Uh, if you're in the Charlotte area, that's the CW Channel 18. Uh, ChefTroy.net where you can get the spices, you can get the book. It's actually the only place you can get the hard copy book. They're all going to be signed when you order them. Uh, and, you know, just look at the Fresh Market. I, you know, I do a lot of tastings. We're actually getting ready to set up a book tour at the Fresh Market, and you'll be able to get all that information on ChefTroy.net. Well, there is a fresh market up here just north of Philadelphia, so, you know, I'll be holding out hope that maybe they send you up here to to hang out up in in the, the cold north with me. I'd love to do that. Everybody, we have to take a quick break. We have all of the information about Chef Troy on our website at CrollCall.com and on our Twitter feed at CrollCallShow. Stay tuned. A big casting announcement from Steve Silverman coming up after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. 
EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Crow Call. Everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Crow Call. I'm still your host. I'm still Dan Crow. Who knew? That's, guess, the way it usually ends up being. Now, A new digital series is coming later this year, and it promises to be a crazy good time. It's called Club 5150. Now, every week for, I want to say, the past couple of months, there's been a series of casting announcements. It's been sort of one by one. Well, there's only one person left to be announced as part of the cast. Who is it? I have no idea. Really, truly, honestly, I have no idea. But the announcement is about to be made here live on the air for the first time. Steve Silverman is a friend of the show. He's been here many times. He's also the man behind Club 5150. He's going to be making the announcement. I I don't know what else he's going to say. I have no idea. So that could be pretty dangerous. Steve, how are we going to do this? What is the announcement? Are we going to tell me immediately? I told you during the commercial break, if it's me or my Nana, I'm going to be very underwhelmed. I think Nana would be very overwhelmed. I don't know if she'd be underwhelmed or overwhelmed about you, but she's probably ready to join the club. I would think if this is your show. It's up to you, my friend. We've we've already um, announced the fantastic Jennifer Lee Cox, who's best known for playing Jan Brady in the Brady Bunch movies. Uh, we've announced Emmy nominee Michael Caruso from Divinity and Winterthorn. We've announced Crystal Carson, who was Julia Barrett on General Hospital. We. Announced Eden Regal, who's an Emmy winner from All My Children and Young and the Restless, and a bunch of other people. But we have ten cast members; nine have been announced, and the final cast member is ready to be revealed. You say when. This is your show, and you don't have any idea because I didn't tell you. <laughs> I really, I mean, I know sometimes people think that a lot of these things are, are sort of, you know, wink, wink. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. So, without further ado, I don't. Do we have a drum roll? Drum roll, people. Do we have one? Let's find out. Eh, yeah, we don't, but whatevs. Maybe sometime in the future. I'll <laughs> make post. one up. You'll fix it in post. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not. It makes it more funny. <laughs> All right. Who is this? We've teased it long enough. I need to know. I need to know now. Well, I'm thrilled to announce that I had the pleasure of working with her once before. She's a three-time Emmy nominee, and the show Days of Our Lives is about to come up on their 50th wedding anniversary, as I like to call it, even though it's not technically a wedding, um, <laughs> we're thrilled to announce that Deidre Hall has joined the cast of 5150. That's and, uh, kind of amazing. It's really amazing. She, yes. She's terrific, and this is the second time she and I will get to work together. We previously worked together. Uh, I directed her on um, Dating in the Middle Ages, and she got an ISA nomination out of it, and I got a directing ISA nomination out of it, so let's see if Lightning can strike twice. 
I mean, usually lightning, we don't think that of as a good thing, but in this case it is. I mean, Teacher Hall is iconic when you think of, I mean, when you think of, of Days of Our Lives, you, but she probably gets tired of hearing it, but you think of the, the devil possession. I mean, she is, with all respect to everyone else, she's who a lot of people think of first when they think of Days of Our Lives. She's, she's the queen, I have to say, and, um, and, and she's a delight. We had a great time working together on Dating in the Middle Ages, and I approached her with this part. It's very, 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 very different for her. Um, oh. Uh, she'll play the character, a character named Nadine, and she's actually going to be playing Jennifer Elise Cox's mother. So that's kind of fun. And um, it's, uh, it's a very different part. She's kind of a... Um, uh, the way I described her character to her before she read the script is that we spoke on the phone and I said, she's, she's poor, but she's never broke. And she said, I got it. And I said, great, hmm. here's a script, read it. <laughs> and then I left it up to her to decide if she wanted to do it or not. See, now, I mean, I know that all the questions that I have are going to be things that you're not able to answer. So maybe with just a yes or no to this one, and if you can't say yes or no, lie. Uh, will <laughs> Deidre and Eden maybe get to be on screen together, possibly? Can you I answer that? cannot answer that question. I'll say what my famous answer. Stay tuned. Uh, Okay, so that won't get answered. Anything else that you would like to make sure that we tell folks out there? Where will they be able to watch? Where can they get more information? Where can they go for all the good stuff about Club 5150? All the good stuff right now is on Twitter, at Club 5150 Series. Follow us there. We are constantly talking to everybody. We do talk back to you. There's a few of us on here, including me. Um, so you can always uh, send us little notes, and we say hello, and we tweet back. And if you want, when you're ready to watch the series, it's going to be available at club51series.com. The website is, the pretty website is being completely redone so that it'll include 5150, pretty, the inn. Uh, it'll include a link to Winterthorn, and it's going to include a new something I'm working on called Suburban Legends. So we're kind of making the pretty website an all-in-one encompassing network, if you will, of places you can go. And for Winterthorn, it'll be great because it's just, you just press the button, it takes you right to the Winterthorn website. So it's, it's, it makes things easy on people to find stuff. Can we talk about that trailer for Winterthorn and how amazing it was? It's nuts, right? It's, I mean, you know, it has candy, so I was sold immediately, but taking that out and putting it aside for a minute, it looks amazing visually. Uh, I mean, the only bad thing about it is it's over and then I have nothing else to watch about Winterthorn. That was kind of, you know, upsetting. That's, blame Michael Caruso. Um, <laughs> I blame him for a lot, um, actually. Well, we, we, had the, we had the best time filming um, Winter Thorn. We, we all, it was a great, great experience. And, and it was great because, you know, it's kind of a team coming together from different universes. It's like, it was kind of like the, you know, the Super Friends or the Justice League, if you will. Uh, you know, you have two-time Emmy winner Sonya Bongiardo. You have Emmy nominee Michael Caruso. You have Martha Madison. You have me and Jim from Pretty in the Inn. And um, we just all sort of pulled everything together. And we all, I, I, we all were laughing about this recently, especially me and Michael, because we're like, we didn't have one fight. There wasn't one, like, argument or, you know, no one got upset over anything. And, I mean, it helps, like you just said, there was candy all over the damn set. So it's like, what can you fight about? 
<laughs> I mean, you could always find something. I'm really the only one here, and I argue with myself about this show all the time. So, you know. <laughs> anything is possible. Okay, so anything more? I mean, I, I again, you know, I know better than to ask the questions, but it's what I'm going to do anyway. Anything about Winterthorn well, that you can... Yes? Uh, well, you, you want me to spill about Winterthorn? You don't know Michael Caruso. He'll kill me. Um, yeah, but he's not here, and he doesn't know where to find me, okay. really. Uh, Winterthorn can... takes place in the winter, and it's about thorns. No, it's, um, <laughs> Winterthorn is, is um, it's a story of a family who own a candy empire, and it's, it's, it's got a gothic, I like to say dark shadows-ish feel, but not, not vampires and Barnabas and all that kind of stuff. It's more of a mystique, if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, and the cast is, the cast is unreal. It's, I mean, it's Martha Madison, Gordon Thompson, Michael Caruso, Linda Gray, Kathleen Gotti, Kirsten Storms, uh, John Paul Lavassier, Kevin Spiritus. I'm forgetting a few. Oh, Josh Thrower, who's a new actor. It's Ron Hanks is in it. He's a comic actor. It's, it's really going to blow everybody away. The, the really cool thing that I'm really proud of is we did a lot of location shooting for this, and it looks feature film. I mean, it looks really, really, really amazing, and we're all really, really proud of it. So we can't, we can't wait till August 27th to show you this, and it's great because we launched it on August 27th. We're actually filming 5150 two weeks before for two weeks. So oh, wow. we're just sort of getting tons of things done all at once, and uh, it's very exciting. I'm being told that we have to wrap this segment, but I'm going to let everybody with this. I'm going to have the cast of Winterthorn on the show in the future. We're going to do a fun little musical countdown type of show. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I can't wait. You say when, and I will help you set it up. It'll be amazing. Steve Silverman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the big announcement, Deidre Hall. That's going to be kind of cool. It's awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Have a great, great, great day and weekend yourself. Well, thanks. You too. Everybody, we are almost out of time. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be doing something brand new here on Crawl Call starting next month. Starting June 1st, you can go to the Crawl Call website at crawlcall.com to share with us the name of someone in your life who's made a difference. Maybe it's someone who helped you through a hard time. Maybe it's someone who's going through a hard time of their own and needs to know that somebody cares. Whatever the reason, we want to hear from you. We'll be calling some of your most deserving nominees live on Crawl Call, and we're going to be spreading the love and maybe sharing some other special tidings with them. Again, starting June 1st, go to crawlcall.com for more information. But that's it for this week. And actually, that's it for this month. I want to thank all of my guests this week from Project Enya, Denise Soler-Cox, Henry Ansbacher from the summer barbecue session that we had, Chef Troy, and of course, Steve Silverman for his announcement about Club 5150. If you want more information about any of the topics that were discussed here on today's show, check out our Twitter feed at Crow Call Show. Head over to our website, crowcall.com. That is the place to check out past episodes of Crow Call. You can download them. You can stream them. It's all completely free. You can also go over to iTunes and download the free podcast. Again, all completely free. So until our next show, I'm Dan Kroll. Find me on Twitter at Dan J. Kroll. And remember, we're going to try this again and keep doing it till it sticks. The next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be the Kroll call. We'll see you back here next time, everybody.